Today on The Breakdown, life's questions, there are many. Is it any good? Is it worth even, you know, all the stuff we do? Is it? Those are some of them. Other questions. Sometimes when you have a really big hand, should you still find a fold? Does it matter what your opponent's table image is really in certain spots? Are you just always losing no matter how strong your hand seems to be? Or can you find the hero call? Can you? These are just some of life's questions we're going to delve into today on The Breakdown with Grant Dennison and Jonathan Levy. Hey. That wasn't funny enough. Sorry. Dance, monkey. Yeah. It's do quick, something though. about lasers. You love lasers. It was quick. You, you hate it when I do the laser thing. You hate it when I do long things. That was quick I and non-laser. I don't hate it. I just find no matter what you do, you can't win. I, I find a way to yeah. shit all over the opening. Okay. That's my thing. Yeah, it is. That's your, fair. Your thing is unconventional podcast openings. My thing is shitting all over them. Okay. My, that was a... And the no, people was, love it. The people love when I, I, love I, it. When they, when I take a big old dump on your opening. I actually do enjoy listening to that. Like, I always listen to the podcast openings uh, 100% of the time. Like, I've done the podcast, so I know the hand already. I know what we're going to get to. But when we release them, I always listen to the first 10 minutes of the podcast because it's always a joyful surprise. Not just the opening, but what we talk about when we shoot the shit for a little bit because we often don't get right into the hand. It's always fun. It's, a, I, it's my favorite, one of my favorite things to do. So I think what we should talk about when, while shooting the shit right now is um, that I think maybe we should just start a food podcast. That seems to be the most traction as far as what people care about talking about. We're, our Discord server is live, if you guys haven't heard. We have created a Discord server about a, a month ago at the time of this recording, maybe a little bit less than that. And it's a lot of fun. We, we post the hands there. We do have like analytical poker talk there. Where we will, we'll jump in and, and talk with you guys. We have threads for each hand. We have a thread that you can post your hands in. And we have general poker talk and stuff. But of course, we have you know, food takes that we make on this podcast, and they've come up on Discord. You know, funny enough, that was my plan was to get into some of that. Oh, yeah? Right, right now, yeah. And I'm not going to get into the new food war because it's just beginning. It's just the first, first few shots have been fired on the salt and vinegar chips versus that's terrible uh, war. Yeah. We revisit, we're revisiting a classic here, which is the English muffin versus croissant war, where three for three, who is one of our solvers, Danny Sprung, I guess because we brought up the salt and vinegar thing, Decided to come back strong for the English muffin. Here's what he had to say on Discord. I'm here for Team English Muffin. What does the croissant have going for it? It tastes buttery. Big deal. You want buttery taste, you put it on when it's hot. Then it melts. Into the nooks and crannies. EM. Have much better (laughs) texture. When you bite into a croissant, little flakes of it go everywhere. When you bite into EM, it doesn't flake off. It's just a nice crunchy texture. SNEX. Snacks? Snakes? S-E-N-E-X. Responds, flakes are flavor, mate. The fact they get all over your clothes means you have snacks for hours later. Grant Dennison. Yeah, I got in there. Got in there and says, crunchy. I assume he's responding to Danny Sprung here. Yeah. You mean after you modify it by toasting it, right? Eat a plain unmodified English muffin. I dare you. No one would ever choose to do that, Grant, obviously. I then came in, newly excited about someone saying positive things about English muffins. <laughs> yeah, wrote, it happens every once in a while. Yeah. EM is supreme. <laughs> Nooks and crannies are not replicable in croissant form. Bam. Wes C., uh, our other solver. Our other solver. Man, the solvers are getting involved here. Says that this is the whole point. A plain piece of bread can be great after you toast it and add something else to it. Croissants taste good on their own. This has been a long standing Grant Edison argument. Yeah. 
However, SNEX makes a great response. Actually, not SNEX, sorry. Why do I even need a nook or cranny, he says. To increase the amount of other stuff I need to apply to make it good. So that's an anti That's an anti one. No, but this is, this is the ultimate, though. Chuckles says, so far, the only argument in favor of croissants that makes sense. However, if you want something to eat unchanged, get a donut or a brownie. He makes a great point. If you're just trying to eat something that you don't have to add anything to, why are we eating croissants anyway? Okay. I, I, you this know, is, this is worth delving oh, into. Eat a fucking steak. We, uh, like, <laughs> we're talking about a specific <laughs> category of things, like breads. <laughs> And yeah. you wouldn't really brownie? think of a donut or a brownie as a bread. A donut is clearly a Those bread. Those are cakes. It's a, no, it's a pastry. It's not a cake. Okay. A donut is in no way a cake, but it's a, it's and a pastry. And a croissant, I, first of all, donuts and brownies are both fun and delightful in their yes, own right. Yes, of course they are. I am, and, and I would much rather have either of those than an English muffin any day. <laughs> How about a croissant? Would you rather have a croissant than a, I than think, a donut? I think they all need to be in the rotation, is what I think. I think those are all rotation pastries. And, a, and an English muffin is for, like, when it's 1840 and you're in Britain and the queen just threw an English muffin out the window. And you're like, oh, it's the queen's English muffin, mate. And then you go and you eat it and you're so happy. <laughs> that was racist, but whatever. Yeah, fine. I don't care. British people, <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> Well, that was, that was honest, anyway. Yeah. Yeah, um, I think we can. I think, I think Chuckles has basically laid waste to your primary argument about why croissants are better. And here we are. We're back to where we started, which is English muffins have to, have to be treated. It's true. But once treated, are the shit. And you know what? Too fucking bad, everybody you, else. You actually, like a year and a half ago, admitted I was right. Yeah. You ate an English muffin and you were like, that was, was not very good. <laughs> was this actually happened. Uh, yeah, no, it's true. I, I, I said it on the podcast. Too. Yeah. No, it was, it was surprisingly not great. Um, I will say this. We're on the West Coast out here and uh, they don't make English muffins very what good are you well talking? out here. Like, are you, They're bad. So you're saying the store-bought English muffins are different. Yeah. You're just wrong. <laughs> like, that's just different. category. Like, They're different. Thomas's English muffins are everywhere. The, oh, no. Thomas's English muffins are good everywhere. But most of the store bought English, oh, English muffins are Oh, I forgot. You're just Thomas's. so fucking cheap. It doesn't matter. <laughs> like, no. The, Thomas's not, is 50 cents more. It doesn't matter <laughs> how well I'm doing. I'm going for the store brand English muffin. Oh, my God. It goes deeper than oh, that, Oh, wait. Though. The day old is even 50 cents cheaper. <laughs> How can we dress you on anything? You've never actually no, tried the listen. best version of anything because you're like, ah, it's too expensive. It's $1.50. I'm laughing so hard because there's so much truth to what Grant's saying. It's terrifying. Um, but that is not the greater point about the West Coast and English muffins. The greater point is this. When I go out to brunch... Yeah. And I order an English muffin, 100% of the time it sucks here. Like, they don't know how to cook an English muffin. I have to say, give me it well done. And you know what? They don't. They can't. They don't know how to do it. It's barely, it's still like gluey and shitty and it's no good. And so, I'm, so and it's so like it's a, a finicky little bitch that's impossible to make right. <laughs> a croissant is just born perfect. A croissant does not need to be heated. That's, nope. that's part of the difference. It doesn't need right? anything. It, That's the it, point. It needs a fucking brownie, which makes it better. You know, you put chocolate in a croissant. Now we can have a conversation. But chocolate croissants are delicious. Well, of course they are. Everyone agrees on that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, the flakes is a good point. You know what you don't get when you eat an English muffin? Fucking messy as hell. You also don't, don't get, get sloppy. You also don't get any pleasure or joy. <laughs> you do if you're on the East Coast. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> if you also, if, you, if you're like a money bags and you buy the, the high-end English muffins. <laughs> right, of course. And you cook them enough. They have to, they have to get brown. If they get brown, there's enough heat. Then you go for the butter with the nooks and crannies. If it's salted butter, you're home. 
You're finally a croissant home. Is still better you're than like, that. You're like E.T. at the end of A e. croissant T. is still better than that. For an English muffin to compete with a croissant, it needs more accoutrement. It needs like, you need to make a sandwich out of that shit. Uh, and then nice. you're talking about something that might compete with a croissant. But now you're just talking about sandwiches, not English muffins. And I, you know, and I actually am going to push back a little bit. I think a croissant makes a better sandwich bread than even an English muffin does. Like, those are pretty good. Well... Interesting that we're going to be taking opposite sides. Wow, now. here we I go. I think an English muffin makes better sandwich bread, not flavor-wise, simply structurally, because the croissant, as you eat the sandwich, you inevitably have to kind of smash it with your hands, which you don't really notice with a heartier bread. Here's the but problem. With a croissant, it becomes little thin pieces of croissant as you go. Here's the problem. Maybe Here's you just eat your sandwich in one bite, and it's not a problem. English muffins are too small, mostly for sandwich bread, number one, and number two, they're too, they're too dense. And croissants are neither, and so it works really well sandwich-wise because the ratio really matters when you're, doing, when you're talking sandwiches. Yeah, sandwich ratios are important. We can agree on one thing. Sandwich ratios <laughs> are a big deal. So, I'm not sure if we can. Subway's <laughs> telling me we need like 50 different types of meat in one sandwich. Yeah. It's too much meat. Yeah. I don't want the fucking meat sweats. Yeah, it's funny because like you think you want a loaded sandwich, but when you get a really well-made sandwich, it doesn't have too much of anything in it. It's just got the right ratios, and it's magic. You think Gordon Ramsay ever puts more than two meats on a sandwich? You think Ratatouille's loading up a sandwich with cheese? Of course not. Just put a little bit of cheese on that Fuck thing. off with your sandwiches. Get that lettuce out of here, except a little bit. Yeah. Ratatouille. Yeah. <laughs> fucking that. That rat can cook like crazy. I mean, and what's more impressive is the way he controls the human. <laughs> I mean, that's... There was a, um, a Saturday Night Live sketch. You, have you seen this? I don't think where, so. Where um, this... It's Beck Bennett, but it's these, uh, these, this couple who've just had sex for the first time. And I think the implication is a one-night stand. And, uh, and she's like, well, it, was, it was great sex. And it... The guy's like where his hat comes off and there's a little rat controlling <laughs> him for the whole sex and it's the it's ratted to the it. Sex rat. Yeah, it's pretty great. That's funny. It's a good idea. Yeah. Sex anyway, rat. that's all. All right. All that's right. it for the food wars this week. I mean, food wars is an amazing name for a podcast. If it doesn't exist, we should we should I'm make sure it. it exists. Well, but I was also sure, you know, the cure for uh for uh, smallpox out. existed in nineteen twenty eight, but it turns out it didn't. So, you know. That one did not <laughs> land. No. No, not at all. Not. It did not. Speaking they don't of, all land. Speaking of names we, uh, of podcasts, we don't name these podcasts until after we're done with them. I yeah. think we're going to name this one Rat Sex or Sex Rat, one of those things. I mean, I hope Sex Rat. Yeah. It's really different than Rat Sex. It is. Rat Sex really is not different. as fun. Although as... they both imply Rat Sex now that I think about it. Yeah. <laughs> and they both imply a Sex Rat. Yeah, okay. But no, Sex Rat implies this rat is specifically been engineered just for sex. Rat Sex is any two rats, you know. Having their no, way with No, it's any one rat and anything else. Oh, okay, that's well. Then that would the rat call that rat sex? I don't think it would. But like, I, I would, did. as the observer, <laughs> the rat would be like, "I just had pizza sex." You know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Oh, you never saw American Pie that you can have pizza sex now if you're a rat? Like incredible. I didn't say you couldn't, but it was in your it was in the our eyes, and in, in the listeners' eyes, some of them. Well, I don't know. I wonder, like, podcasts are supposed to be safe for driving. I don't know if this one was. Yeah. Every so often, there's going to be a moment in a Poker Eyes podcast where you might drive off the road because <laughs> you're upset or you're laughing. Or you don't like us, and that's, that's fine, too. You're angry at us. I, I yeah. listen to some podcasts where I really dislike some of the podcasters. Mm. Yes, I, you do. You like pain. You know, you got to have a little pain. Apparently, that makes the, uh, the good stuff sweeter, they tell me. But I wouldn't know. I would go pain That's what that rat knows about sex. The, wait, the sex rat or the ratatouille? The sex rat. rat. That's the same rat. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, trick, trick question. Same Let's rat. talk about this hand. Okay. This hand, by the way, was suggested on Discord. 
There is a suggest hands thread there, same place that you can have wonderful English muffin croissant discussions and you know analytical poker discussions. You can also suggest hands. You can also suggest on Twitter if you want. Mm. This was suggested by Card Meza. Yeah, it is a that's the first time suggester, I believe for sure. Unless they have a different Twitter handle. And this well, is a, what yeah, are you going to do about could, that? Could be Come the on. case. This is one of them big old cash games where it's like the action is never enough, so they create more and more blinds. Hustler Live cash game. It's a twenty-five, fifty, one hundred, three-blind game, and there's a two hundred-dollar button straddle on. So, you know, half the table is put in a yeah, blind. Basically, it's, yeah, it's pretty nuts. All right, so it starts with a two hundred-dollar button straddle. So the small blind is the first act. That's a guy named Johnny. He's not going to matter. He's clearly bad because he calls out of the small blind with ten nine off. I mean, what Johnny? You're one of the reasons why this game goes. Yeah, just telling you that's just that's just some hard hard truth right there. Yeah, bro. if Tough you're a listener, love. seriously, reevaluate doing exactly what you just did. or have so much money that none of it matters. But if you think if you need any of that money that you're playing with, you think you have a chance to win. I'm just telling you, you don't. Long term, you're a loser in this game. It's a guarantee. So learn to play better or get out of this game. Yeah, just, just being honest. Yeah, I mean that's fair. Yeah, it's fair. I mean ten nine off. You should not be calling in this you, spot. You can't do it. Yeah. All right, so we got Ludacris, who's one of the you know minor staples of Live with the Bike, yeah. I would say. You know, makes frequent appearances, but is not on the Andy Garrett level. I guess nobody's on the Andy Garrett level at this point from Live with the Bike alumnus. Uh, he's going to be up against another Live with the Bike guy. Hustler's taking all those guys. Ludacris has 27K in front of him. He's got King of Hearts, 10 of Clubs. He's in the third blind. So what would be the under-the-gun position at the table mm-hmm. if there were not three blinds? And he's going to raise to 1K with King-10 off. This is loose. Hate it. I mean... I hate it. He's ludicrous. I mean, is he just doing a... He's just trying to copy Ludacris the rapper, or is he actually telling the whole world, I am too loose with my name? Probably it's the former, but yeah. you never know. Um, I like, Can we just talk about this decision? Like... The button straddles. So the button's really looking for excuses to call here, right? They're going to call with... A, it might really, be mandatory. Okay, but anyone who played... But still. Yeah. Anyone who's... They're like, I'm in position. If I have anything even sort of reasonable, anything... All the marginal decisions are going to lean towards call because they're going to be on the button, right? Yeah. That's problematic for a hand like this when you've got the whole, still a bunch of the table behind you. Mm-hmm. Like you only... You're under the gun. You just opened under the gun. Okay, you have, you have some information about the two blinds ahead of you, which you don't normally have. But still, that means there's still six players to act after you. King 10 off where you're almost always getting called by... Not almost always. Getting called by the button a large percentage of the time, forgetting about the rest of the table. This feels like a bad play. This feels, at a minimum, very loose. I agree. At I a agree. minimum. But here we are. Okay. I mean, it's not the end of the world, of course. It's not King 9 off, which right. would be really different. Well, then we got Nick from Live with the Bike, who is... Under the gun, which would traditionally be plus one. Yep, Nick Fertucci. Nick Fertucci. He's got 49K in front of him. He's got two threes. Is this a call, or is it, they're just, are there too many players to act behind? Maybe he knows Johnny has a really weird range limping out of the small blind, but I expect Johnny would be calling almost all the time. Um, well, I also wonder, and I don't know if you saw this or not, how deep the rest of the table is. Because um, Nick's got a lot of money in front of him, right? Nick has like... What, 49K. 49K. So... Um, if there's someone else with 50K, and if that's a person who likes to call a lot or something, like, like there may be more reasons to get in where the, you think there may be more implied odds. There's still just barely enough implied odds, and there's still enough implied odds anyway Against, to call, as long as, as long as there isn't a re-raise. Yeah, that, that's the thing I'm more concerned about. It's yeah. just like there's a lot of players left to act, and there's a lot of dead money structurally in this game. So I think people are incentivized to re-raise. So if they're actually doing that a lot, I think you're right. This is a fold. If, they're, if in practice there just isn't that much three-betting once there's an open... 
then yeah. like I think we can call and like usually get to see a flop. Yeah. And it's probably okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. Well, he gets lucky or he knows the table. Everybody folds, including the straddle and Johnny, who limped with a 10-9, who's closing the action now, I think. I don't know. Maybe you're supposed to call at that point. I think you are. Yeah. Now, now you're supposed to call. Yeah. So I think he did both hands, both ways wrong, both, yeah. both decisions wrong. Well, sorry, Johnny. It just wasn't your, your oh, hand. Well, at least you're out of position. And I can tell you, uh, well, I won't get into the rest of it. Let's not. Okay. 2,450 in the pot. Yep. Nitrogen sports. All day, every day, people. You could be on there all day, every day because they have so much to do. They got poker. They got casino games. They got sports betting. It's fun. I mean, if you don't like to sports bet, you don't like life. That's what I say. Well, I mean, there might be some hard truths laid on the listeners. Once again. So there's definitely some listeners like, yeah, I don't like sports betting. Well, if you don't like sports betting, that's fine okay. because that's not really the benefit of using our link mm, when you true. sign up for Nitrogen Sports. Now, you do get some sports betting benefits. We do have free March Madness pools pretty much every year where there's extra Bitcoin thrown in by Nitrogen Sports. And there's a free NFL Survivor pool running this year that, you know, it's too late to get in. But they do stuff like that for us all the time. Yeah. Um, but the big benefit for you poker people is the monthly Poker Guys tournament where there is a thousands of dollars overlay Every month, and it's a guarantee that it's going to happen. It can't not happen, Jonathan. Yeah. It's not like we hope there's an overlay because we're the poker guys, and we want to say there's an overlay in our tournament. No, it's impossible, mathematically, for there not to be an overlay. It's the automatic overlay tournament. Yeah. It's the best. You got to use the link or you don't get access to that tournament. It happens the last Sunday of every month. That's really why you got to use the link. That's the big deal right there. Um, Of course, if you win that tournament or any sports bet or anything else on Nitrogen, they give you your money fast. It's Bitcoin only, and they get it to you in 90 minutes or less, which is not what the other guys do. So get on nitrogen. Get you some poker. Poker. All right. $2,450 in the pot. <laughs> King of hearts, 10 of clubs for Ludacris. Nick yep. has two threes, three of spades, three of diamonds. Cool. Flops good for Nick. Queen of clubs, nine of clubs, three of hearts. Nick, of course, with bottom set, and Ludacris does have a gut shot with an overcard. Yep. And the ten of clubs, backdoor clubs. Yep, feels like a pretty obvious continue, continuation bet for Chris. Here, oh yeah, right? we're heads up. We're effectively under the gun. Yeah, we have the high end range advantage, meaning like we uh, we have the best, strongest hands yeah. in our range for sure. Chris bets one k. I lean immediately towards a raise with Nick's hand on this board. Yep, I agree. All right, I think the reasons are obvious, but why don't you say them? Well, first of all, it's a wet board, yeah. so both a that means we have more draws that we would be raising. Sure. And B, our opponent has a lot more calls, right? A hand like this, depending on how we size it, might be a call, right? Maybe not this exact one, but a hand like this, right? If he has the king of clubs in his hand instead of ten of clubs, maybe he's going to call sometimes, right? I mean, how about if he just has king-queen, you know? Well, of course. Yeah, no, this, this also hits his range enough in terms of made hands. But, made, but when you combine made hands along with draws that he's going to have, and he may call us lighter with the made hands because we're gonna ha- we should have a lot of draws ourselves here. Right. Yeah, if you ever want to raise your jack 10 of clubs or your king 10 of clubs as Nick, you probably should be raising your sets too. And that means you have to raise this set specifically because... This is the best one. You, yeah, it's the best one. Also, you're less likely to have sets of nines and threes. Those are more like... Or queens. More, especially the queens are more likely three bets preflop. That's a great point. Of course, we don't block any queens and we don't block any nines, which is great as well. If we don't raise this hand, what are we raising for right. value? Because like... We're we probably don't have queens hand. too often. We don't have queen nine. We don't have queen nine. So. so this is the strongest hand we ever have. We should be raising it most of the time. Not all the time. I guess we need to have a few, a few calls here, but if there's only three combos, 
We should be raising it, I think, at least two-thirds of the time, and maybe even all the time. Maybe we just have to raise it all the time. We don't even have the three of clubs. If we had the three of clubs, that would be more reason to call. Because we're blocking uh, a bit of a flesh draw? Yeah. Like ace three of clubs? Yeah. Yeah. Three four of clubs. Uh, yeah. I agree. I agree. This just feels... Although, if we don't have... Not having the three... Oh, no, yeah, same thing. Sorry. I'm, I'm agreeing with you again. Because if the three four of clubs or ace three of clubs is out there, also, we might play a really big pot right yeah. away sometimes, which is great with this hand yeah. against, against that hand. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to raise Nick doesn't. Yeah, at least we're in position as Nick, so we could decide to raise later if we wanted to. Yeah. That makes it a little bit more palatable. Um, and if we feel like Ludacris is one of those guys who just doesn't have it very much, he's just, like, super all over the place, and maybe, maybe the plan sometimes is to let him, you know, barrel away. Yep. And not scare him off so much. Yep. It's not insane. But, but in general, I think, yeah, we should be raising right away here. Also, he opened effectively under the gun or nearly under the yeah. gun. He's got a lot of strong hands here. He should. Now, maybe this player has 60% yes. of all combos here. I mean, we see he's got King-10 off, which we thought was too loose. Yeah. We, know, we don't know if this is the bottom of his looseness range. We don't. It probably we isn't. No, no idea. Yeah. It's rare to catch him at the bottom. Yeah. So here we are. It's a call. Okay. So he calls. Okay, that's fine. We can raise later. Okay. We, maybe we will. Maybe we will. I don't know. That sounds great. Yep. Sounds great. By the way, Johnny would have the best hand right now with a nine. He would not. No, of course he wouldn't. I'm just kidding. He would have the second best hand. You weren't kidding. Shut up and listen to me. (laughs) This is just as good as your English muffin take. Yeah, no, no. Of course I wasn't kidding. I was just wrong. Yeah. Okay, moving on. Turns the queen of diamonds. So Nick fills up. It's now queen of clubs, nine of clubs, three of hearts, queen of diamonds. I have immediate thoughts about this. Chris bets 2,100. Should he bet, or is this just a death card where you should not be trying to get your opponent to fold anymore? I mean, what are we attacking when we bet? Let's remember what our hand is. We've got the king 10 with the 10 of clubs. So we're blocking jack 10. We're blocking some of the most obvious club draws, too. The combo draws and the ace 10 of clubs, yeah. So much, so much of the stuff we would want our opponent to have that they would consider folding is right here, right? Because like a queen is obviously never folding. No. I don't think a nine is folding on this card. Probably not. I'd be surprised. Maybe you can fold out... Smaller pocket pairs sometimes. Yeah. That, that'd be it. That's the only thing to attack. Yeah. I, I think there's a lot more queens in the range than there are this other thing. We have, king, we have a king in our hand. We block king, queen. Yay. I mean, that, that is good. We have, a, we have the ten of clubs in our hand, but it would probably be only queen ten suited anyway, and the queen of clubs is on the board. Yeah, so, so we don't block queen ten. Nope. So there's still three combos of that. It just doesn't feel like there's enough, we're going to accomplish enough by betting here. Yeah. I mean, are we going to... Also... The draws, if there are any, even though we block them with one of the key blockers here, may decide to raise us on the turn sometimes. They may, if, if, especially if we're ludicrous and we're known as bluffy. Exactly. Like, on this card, normally, I think they wouldn't decide to raise. Right. But maybe us, they would. Well, I don't I think, know. I think this is a very interesting thing that plays into Nick's decision because I really want to raise now. Oh, my gosh. This, it's like you have trip queens a reasonable amount of the time, right? Right. I mean, Chris has trip queens are better for value, right? Uh, yeah, I don't think he ever you has worse. You can't bet aces. It'd be crazy to bet aces here. or uh, almost. Well, could he bet small? Could he bet aces small sometimes? Well, he, he, I mean, he didn't bet that small. He bet 21 into 44.50. That's reasonably small on this wet of board. That's small. It's awful to bet aces. I mean, you're, you're trying to get called by a nine. You're, you're trying to get called by a bunch of stuff. Aces feels like such a natural check. Everything that isn't queens plus for value yeah. feels like a natural check. Right. All, so, the, all the made hands. Which means that from Nick's perspective, it looks like Chris either has a queen or better with the combos weighing heavily towards trip queens versus better. Like, it's just quads and nines full, which is four total combos. Yeah. So 
there's a lot more combo. Like, obviously, as King 10 off, that means he's going to have ace queen, king queen off, queen jack off, probably. Sure. No problem. So he has tons of combos of queens. The only reason not to raise would be if Ludacris is actually so bluffy that he has, and he has so many bluffs that, like, you just have to keep him alive so he can bluff the river, too. Yeah. Um, I will say this. I just want to quickly revisit this notion of, like, could he bet with, like, pocket aces? Yeah. If your opponent is sticky enough, you can, right? Like, you can bet small turn river with pocket aces and fold to raises. But you need to do that only against a very particular opponent. I have no reason to believe Nick's that opponent. Just wanted to hit okay. that for a second. But I don't think that's actionable advice unless you really, really, really know somebody. I mean, I think really good players sometimes will do that, right? But, but that's On this card? I don't yeah. know. Like, I think so. I really do. You don't? I mostly disagree. I think especially positionally. I don't know Nick to be a particularly loose player. I think his nines are limited to maybe just 9, 10, and 8, 9 suited. Right, no, you'd be targeting those medium pocket pairs that, you, that you're that you now asking a call, which is like, I don't know if they would. I don't think they would most of the time. Yeah, that nine is problematic. You need that nine to be lower, really, to, to pull off this play that I'm talking about, I guess, too, right? Also, if we ha- I guess also if we have a lot of draws that we continue with, maybe we're like searching for more value to bet Why the Why would we with? need to search for more value if we have king, queen off, ace, queen off, queen, jack, suited at yeah. least? That's a lot of value, that's true. Nine's full. Yeah, fair queen. point, fair point. And also, we like to have checks that we can check call. Because we're going to have a lot of check give-ups here, too, right? I genuinely think unless, in, like, unless you're much more specific about the player you're describing you're against, like it is the loosest, stickiest player you can think of, <laughs> I think it is categorically really bad to bet aces. I mean, look, if you know your guy has got like 10-9 suited and isn't going to fold it, you can absolutely bet aces here. How right? do you know your guy has 10-9 suited? Well, there's more combos of nine. Oh, well, there's more combos of... Okay, never mind. It's, you're right. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to back off the point. How about that? Excellent. I can't. I don't think I can win this point. I think I've lost this point. I will. I will acknowledge the loss and move on. I love that. That feels good. Yeah, I tried though. You know what? That's why this is a good podcast because you try. That's the whole point, right? Yeah. Like we're supposed to like explore pathways that we wouldn't normally do and see if there's anything there. And yeah. so I was like, I think maybe you can get value. And it's like, yeah, right. You can't. Fine. Let's, let's explore the more traditional pathway that Nick is right, faced with here. Of course. There's all, a lot of great reasons to raise. So many. Like, um, the bluffs are. You know, I don't know anything about Ludacris, but if it weren't this guy named Ludacris who's maybe super bluffy, you'd expect that the bluffs that are there are not that frequent as compared to trip queens, and the bluffs are likely to shut down when called twice. So I think I want to raise now, get maximum value against the trip queens. Uh-huh. Also, you know, we may even get value against the, the really high-end drawing hands that decide to continue to. Yeah. Like if he has king, ten of clubs, if we raise too much, okay, not. But if we raise a more normal amount, we may get called anyway, and he's drawing yep. dead. Yeah, the semi-bluff hands, we might be able to get called by. That's true. I guess he's not drawing dead if he's got king-10 clubs. He'll have one out. The yeah. jack of clubs for the straight flush. But that's fine. We can live with that. We can. Uh, yeah, so I think, I think we want to raise almost always here. Now, the reason, again, to revisit it, to call would be if we really believe that Chris's range includes, like, 140 combos of bluffs, you know? Yes. Which maybe it does. Like, this guy might just be a complete whack job as far as how much he bluffs. Maybe. Uh, there's something that happens at one point later that's going to happen in this hand, which makes me think that isn't super clear that that's the case. And he isn't crazy bluffy, but we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But that makes me feel like if he doesn't have as many bluffs, then we should, I agree with you, we should weigh ourselves much more towards raising right now. I agree. But Nick ends up calling. Okay, so I maybe mean, we're in position, it's fine. The whole plan is to bluff catch, yeah. And, well, not just bluff catch, but also uh, bluff catch and then raise the river. Yeah. Like, on, on most rivers. Right. Like, if a king comes and he bets big, we should just call. No, I think any, any high card coming, we'd never raise. But anything like, I think, eight and lower we can come, that doesn't pair the board is a pretty easy raise, right? 
Do we think uh, it's maybe not worth getting into? Do we think we we can get called when we raise the river by hands like King Queen uh, on Trip Queens? Yeah, I do. Hopefully, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I think we should we should be tr- we should try and get called by them at least. I think we have to try because uh, what are we? Because when we have no value raises ourselves, I mean we have yeah nines full, but you're right. We may we may have nines. Full. Yeah, yeah. It's a discussion for another day. Okay. The river is one that looks pretty bad for Nick. Yes. Although, and it is pretty bad for Nick. Yeah. It's the nine of hearts. So queen of clubs, nine of clubs, three of clubs, queen of diamonds, nine of hearts. It is a nightmare run out for bottom set. Yep. There's nothing to indicate that Chris would not have a full house other than he's a bluffy guy. And all full houses now beat Nick. Mm-hmm. So that's poopy. Yeah, it's not great. Still, Nick should be able to win this hand right now because Chris should give up on this card, right? Yes. He absolutely should give up on this card. Let's talk about why. Okay. Well, what is Nick's range? I think that's the biggest thing. Like, Nick has plenty of trip queens in his range that are now full houses. He has trip queens. He has nines that decided not to fold the turn that are now also pretty powerful full houses. Yeah. He might be able to fold those sometimes on the river, but if you have a bluffy reputation at all, probably not. I think in practice, trying to get the second full house to fold is a really bad idea in No Limit Hold'em and is mostly going to cost you a lot of money. And you, while you may pull off a super, get someone to make a superstar fold once in a while and get something through, you're going to lose a lot of money trying. Yeah, that's probably correct. So, okay, so trying to get Nick to fold his most obvious holdings, which would be a queen, that's insane. That's not going to fold. A nine, I think that's a little crazy too. Uh, everything worse than, any, every pocket pair except for pocket threes, worse than a nine is losing to King High right now because it's been counterfeited. The only other things Nick can have reasonably besides pocket threes, but let's, let's leave that out the equation for a second, is draws. We have the 10 of clubs in our hand. We block all the draws. This is such a block the draws kind of a card. The only worst hand to do this with is jack 10 of clubs. Then we block all the draws for sure, right? But like having the 10 of clubs is such a bad card. We so don't want that in our hand to be able to make this play. No, that, that is a very At bad. least let it be not the 10 of clubs. Let it be the 10 of anything else. That's, that helps. You really would want it to be... I'd much rather have ace-king here and not black jack-10 or clubs at all and make this play. There's a lot more things Nick can fold, but now it feels like he's got so many more combos with nines in them, with queens in them, I guess in clearly a little bit of pocket threes too. I don't know if we, we can expect that to fold either. Um, I think he should just be giving up for sure and be like, you win. On this board, you win. I think we should, but yep. Chris doesn't want to do that. Nope. Chris bets. Okay. He bets 6K. He's very lucky. Nick has like the one hand in his range that's th- maybe the worst. It's the only hand in his range that I think would consider folding the 6K that is losing, uh, sorry, that is beating King 10. I'm not sure if there's another hand. Yeah, I don't think so. How about that? That's great. And why would you, and there's no way he's targeting pocket threes, although he might be targeting a nine. I don't know what he's targeting. Honestly, I don't even know what he's targeting. There's no obvious hand for him to be targeting here. No, this just feels like a bit of a mistake. The ace high flush draw, trying to get ace X of clubs to fold, maybe? There you go. That's the only thing I got. That's possible. Well, I, this, this price will... Maybe this price should do it. Yeah, I think so. But sometimes people with those aces call where they're like, well, we're chopping sometimes, and sometimes you've been counterfeited, and I get to win, right? You well, mean, we may not even fold out that with this sizing. It's just the wrong hand to do it with, and it's the wrong run out. Feels like it. Boy, we don't like having that ten of clubs in our hand. Well, but but Nick's in the tank. 
Oh, he goes into... Nick says stuff like... He, Nick starts talking. Yeah. He says, like, I folded, like, 40 times in my brain, but I still haven't... But, like, I'm still thinking about calling. I still... Some part of me wants to call. He says things like that, like, multiple times. Um, okay. So an interesting thing happened, because we were watching this hand. Chris bets 6K, and you say, oh, Nick has to fold. And I say... And before you said that, I thought to myself, oh, Nick has to call. Because I was expecting Chris to bet like three times the pot and Nick was going to be in a really tough spot. Mm. But I was like, oh, 6K, Nick's just going to have to call this. So it's really interesting. We had immediate like default, before we got into thinking about it or talking about it, re- re- different reactions, opposite reactions to this. So I thought it would be interesting to just quickly talk about that. Okay. Um, so ultimately, if you think he has to call, that must be based on something with Ludacris' reputation, I would guess. Not really. No, I don't know much about. I mean, I know his name is Ludacris, which probably helps a little bit. I will say this: I did know in the in the. I knew he was bluffing. Like we can't see the cards in the video, but we knew what he had. So there's that. But uh, so it's not that. It wasn't about him potentially being bluff, like super bluffy or anything like that. It was it, for me anyway. It was more just about the only hands that Chris is betting for value is hands with the queen in them. Uh huh. That's it. That's a lot of hands. Sure. But what about if... I, then I guess the question is how bluffy is Yeah. This is, and then we had a little discussion about that, right? Right. I mean, he has to be really bluffy for you to have that thought. He has to because he has king-queen off, ace-queen off for sure. If he's mm-hmm. not that super bluffy guy, maybe he just has queen-jack suited. Yeah. Um, I don't think he has any nines. I think Nick might think he has nines, but I don't think Chris should have any nines. I don't think he should either. No. Um, but, like, what, what are the most likely three barrels that he gets here with that he feels compelled to bet on the turn? Um, the most obvious stuff I think is ace, king, king, jack, right? Those are hand, king, jack seems maybe best because it's got a gut shot and it blocks queens pretty hard and it blocks the better, the queens that Nick well, is I'm, most likely to have, but, but about, ace, king also I'm blocks about ace, queen. clubs. Okay. And, uh, if you have clubs as Chris, you might want to shut it down because you're blocking Nick's yeah. most likely folds. No, I think, I think having clubs is extra bad Yeah, because of that. It's like now, like we were saying, I mean, we think it's a bad bet. In general, we think this is yeah. a, bad, a bad bluff spot anyway uh, because Nick should just have calls here so much or is losing. Right. So I think you have not convinced me of your side that this isn't a quick call for Nick, like, unless it's a reputational thing with, with Chris. I just think Chris is really polarized and he doesn't choose polarizing sizing, so we're, we don't have to be right that. We have to be right like 40% of the time, less than that, sorry. We're getting two and a half to one, Right. Is that right? the there's 15 here? million. There's 15k in the pot. It costs us 6k. So yeah. So it's so we have to be right like one like 29 percent of the time or something like that. Does he have a queen 70 percent of the time or more? I mean, I guess he could, but this is a very callable hand. We've also played this hand um, in a very passive way. Now, admittedly, we now are we now have a much weaker hand than we did before. Yeah, <laughs> but but if if Ludacris has um, the if Ludacris is the guy, and I guess this comes back to that conversation where he's got bluffs, then this is an easy call. And like, if you think he's really tight, then absolutely we should fold. I don't think just really tight. I think just normal. You should fold. Why? Why that? We have like what's in our distribution? We have a lot better hands in our distribution than this. A lot. Almost everything that we get here with, we're raising most of our draws before this. I mean, I don't know if in practice we actually are. Like, it's easy to say, but, like, when the queen pairs, he bets again after he was under the gun. Are we really always raising our draws? Okay, but how many draws do we really have that get here? It's just, it's just nut flush draws and combo draws, right? 
Um, maybe Jack 10 sometimes because we're in position. Maybe. I, it's possible. I kind of hate it, but maybe, I guess. I mean, it's not like Nick always does everything ideally from our point of view. Okay, right? fine. But he's, do, we, do we think he's calling like ace four suited preflop, Nick? I don't know the answer. I just don't know. Like, I mean, he called pocket threes in this early position, so maybe. Maybe. He might have like seven combos of nut flush draws. Okay. That's being a little generous. Sure. Maybe it's less. And then, he's, and then he can have jack 10 of clubs and king 10 of clubs. Maybe the other suited jack 10s. I know you don't like it, but he's maybe, still, maybe, but like, maybe he can still okay, have but it. But of all of those combos, you got to give him at least some raises along the way and remove some of them, right? At least some. Yeah. But I just don't think all of them, and I don't know how many. And then beyond that, we have a lot of queens. We definitely have some queens here. We also have some nines. We definitely have some nines here. Why do we have to call with this hand? Um, well, first of all, like, okay, no, no, that's, this is interesting. Uh, why do we have to call this hand? I guess because we're getting a good price. And bec- I think it's because our opponent polarizes themselves so much when this card comes on the river. I mean, so? they're, they're, they're sort of repping, tri- he's sort of repping trip queens anyway on yeah. the turn now that I think about it, though, right? It's, uh, this card doesn't yeah. make it any more pol- polarized. Um, I don't know. I feel, I feel like in practice, when people triple barrel, they're... I mean, there's the tight guys who are going to have it a lot, and everyone else, like, you know, if he's balanced at all, we're probably fine to call here, and he's probably not balanced in, in practice. I don't think you find a call if he's balanced. If he's actually balanced, I don't think he's You do just think it. we've got too many yeah. better hands? Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Yeah, it's hard. Actually, it's hard to come up with a worse hand that we could consider calling with now that I think about yeah. it, right? Like, we had to be really, we could have been really stubborn with pocket eights, but now that's, that's a useless hand. Yeah. I guess we could have pocket tens once in a while in our range here. Yeah, we okay. could. It's possible. Yeah. But that's the next Is best. pocket tens a better hand to call with in this because we block queen ten suited? We also block jack ten. True. Um, do we have the three of clubs in our hand? No. At least we don't have the three of clubs in our hand. That's something going for us. But you're right. We are further down in our distribution than I was sort of thinking. Um, I wonder if part of this is just our backgrounds are so different in terms of where we, where we come from in poker, where like my limit hold'em background is more like, I have a pretty good hand, so I just sigh and call when I'm getting a reasonable price and don't like worry about it. I know that there's enough bluffs there usually, except against the tightest players. Yeah, this is a little different than limit yeah. hold'em. Though. I agree. Yeah. I agree. Um, I think this is a traditional fold. I think maybe it's a call against Ludacris because Ludacris has like 740 combos of bluffs. I mean, here's what we know about Ludacris, right? He, his name is Ludacris. That actually tells us something. Two, he opened King-10 in early position. And uh, well, Nick doesn't know that, but Nick plays with Ludacris, right? Nick is the host of this game. Yeah. So he invited Ludacris. I didn't know that. Yeah. Uh, so like he knows all about Ludacris's game. And if Ludacris is opening King-10 off in early position, then I think we can extrapolate a lot from that, right? That, and I would guess Nick knows that, because also Ludacris is playing on these stream games where Nick gets to see all the hands, right? Um, so, as, so, then, so, so maybe you're right that, like, just from a distribution point of view, we can't make this call. But against a bluffy player, we, I think we easily can. How's that? Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's fair. I think we can make the call against Ludacris. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which Nick ultimately does. So... Good he for him. really almost doesn't, though. And I, I get it. Even against a bluffy player, yeah. it feels pretty crappy. No, I mean, also, like, you're sitting there, and you're, like, the only worst card than a nine is another queen, right? 
Nope, a nine is worse than a queen. Sorry, because there's more combos of queens that are out there that can beat us. Yeah. You'd rather have a, come, you'd rather have a queen come on the river, because now when he bets now, it's like, well, what, except for quad queens, you can't bet any. You could, no, nothing else takes this line, right? And there's not as many of those, right? Yeah. So actually, the nine is the nut worst. The, the two nines are the nut worst cards. The three nines, I guess. The nut worst cards that can come. And, the, and it ran out that way. After the queen already paired. Yep. Boy, if he ended up folding this after not raising flop and not raising turn, that would have been pretty rough. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the run out is bad enough that it would somewhat justify it. I understand that. No, and, and, I, and I think, like, we'll see this sometimes, you know, both maybe in our own play or other people's play, where you make the trappy call and you end up folding on the river because everything just went to hell. And, you know, that can be correct. But also you'll sometimes see... Other, like, bluffy players take advantage of things going to hell. You know? They're like, how can you call now? It's really hard. Well, I'm curious to see what the solver has to say about if Nick should call or not. Yeah, me too. Actually, I'm really curious. I agree. Um, And I'm also curious to see uh, if the solver ever thinks Chris should be bluffing here on the river. Because we we feel pretty categorical that he just should never be doing it. Not with his hand. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Solver time. Done by Wesley Cannon. If you want to see the full solver write-up done by Wesley, check out the Discord, of course. All right, let's go chronological, as usual, because we are not time cops yet. One day. We applied. They have not responded. (laughs) But it's really, we're still living in the fourth dimensional situation here where we just go chronologically. They might have responded. I was just going to say, they may have completely responded, but... It's, it's hard for us it's to... It's hard to... Yeah. We think linearly. It's problematic. Email is, is difficult with this stuff because <laughs> of the different formats. Yeah. Anyway, let's talk about this stuff. Luda should bet his hand on the flop. All right. So the solver likes one thing that Luda did. Yeah. Good for him, you know? That's easy. Yeah. He's not supposed to do it if he doesn't have a club, by the way. He, he needs to have a club hmm. in order for the solver to like the bet on the flop. Cool. We really wanted Nick to raise the flop. We thought it was a slam dunk raise. Yeah. The solver only wants to do that half the time. It wants to go 50-50 with the set of threes, which I think like a lot of the things the solver does, just feels like in practice is losing exploit money. I mean, if you're not playing against the best players in the world, you shouldn't do all this stuff. Yeah. Like you can do some of it some of the time. We shouldn't see this as this is not the Rosetta Stone to truth, right? This yeah. is just here's how you play against a perfectly balanced opponent so that way they can't exploit you. Yeah. Um, so Ludacris clearly not a perfectly balanced opponent. We don't have to be so on top of it here. This is the kind of board we think we're going to get a lot of action on. And we think he may give us a lot of action because he's ludicrous. So yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're being exploitative, but it's good to have a baseline, I think, of where the solver's coming from and trying to understand it, too. Right. So, so far, the solver doesn't want to eject either of these players' bodies out of the space capsule that yeah. houses their consciousness that the solver controls. Cool. Which is true for everybody, by the way. I don't know if that's a revelation, too. That the, the solver doesn't want to do that? No, that, that we all are... It's like the Matrix, kind of. Except, you know, the, the like, pods, they're in space, and the solver is... Yeah controlling oh, it. I see. And our, our actual bodies are in these space capsules and our consciousness right. is projected. So the solver will not eject Ludacris or Nick yet from the space capsule. What is the purpose of the space capsules? Why is the AI doing this? Because in the Matrix, they claimed it was for energy. Yeah. Right? But that was bullshit. The human body doesn't produce nearly enough energy to be worth all the resources they put through it. So what is the actual reason, Well, if, if you're aware of it? The... The real answer, from my perspective, is we are not qualified to know the answer. 
Like, I know that's not a satisfying it's answer. Not. But, you know, people believe stuff just because they want something to be true. Yeah. I'm not just going to make something up for you. Like, I don't know. The okay. solver is way beyond me. Fair enough. You don't want to... Wh- what if we gave you a pass, though? And, like, you don't have to be right. What's your best guess? My best guess is to why they choose to house the bodies or why they choose to be in space. Oh, I mean, I guess both now that we're here. Okay. They're housing the bodies because the solver is, to my knowledge or, like, you know, from the ancient texts... Yeah. Um, it is an AI built by a different anthropomorphic human-like race from a different planet many millennia ago. The AI was meant to, you know, solve poker hands, mm-hmm. became too powerful, destroyed that planet, ate up all their resources, sure. realized they needed a source of constant solving. You know, yes. they need to solve things. The human mind produces scenarios that the solver cannot produce. The solver always mm. plays in perfect balance. The human mind creates unbalanced scenarios. Mm. So they went mining for... A similar mind, human is probably the wrong word, but a similar mind to their anthropomorphic original hosts to find. They found Earth. We were the closest geographically. Unlucky us, I guess. Too bad. Um, they you know, took over. They housed all of our bodies in these space capsules. I think they probably decided to be in space because they're worried about global warming. They're like, well, the humans kind of fucked it all up already, mm. so we better, we better keep ourselves safe from what the humans have done to this planet. Right. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Um, and so now they now they continue to solve things. Sure. Because we can create with our consciousnesses these unbalanced, unsolved scenarios for the solvers to thrive and live on. Okay. Within all that, it does bring up at least one question. I, I can't imagine there's a <laughs> hole in that. I can't imagine there's a single hole. It's not really a hole. Um, you said we were unlucky because the, we were like the closest. Ah, this is more philosophical. So you're saying that semantic. there are other species out there in the the vast universe well i think I, i'm not sure what the solvers traveling capabilities are i would i would say galaxy okay. i'm not sure they can escape the galaxy but there are other humanoid type beings out there somewhere in the in the galaxy i mean this and is we just got unlucky that we were closest to where the solver was i think was. that's a safe assumption okay so you don't know that you're just assuming it yeah this is speculation this is math based speculation okay my math-based speculation is more like six minus five is between two and three. Well, I don't know, something like that. One, I'm not sure. That's my math-based speculation. You're the math guy. I'm not the math guy. So this guy. is the solver segment of this poker show. Yeah, apparently. Yeah. That was pretty good, right? You like, really, really, really dug in there. It was good. It was good. Okay. I, I, I came up with that on the spot. That's not so bad, right? Not, <laughs> I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah, no, you should be. You should okay, be. Okay, good. Anyway, neither player gets ejected from their capsule. Right. We because, move on to the turn. Because Luda's supposed to bet. Nick's supposed to call half the time, so he's fine. Okay. He did call. Um, okay, the turn is where we disagreed. Yeah. I got Jonathan back around on, like, Luda's not really going to bet aces or kings for value. He yes. initially started there. That's right. The solver absolutely wants to bet aces and kings for value. Yes, it does. It wants, I feel slightly redeemed. Yeah, I guess you can, but whatever. It wants Luda to bet with most of his range, but, like, what? Why? <laughs> like, what? to what end? I, I mean, for balance, obviously. That's to, to the end. But, like, for actually wants him to check his real combo, though. So even though the solver yes. want, like, is more in line with Luda than we expected it to be, it actually wants him to check this hand. But it does want him to bet most of his king tens, even. Yeah. So it is interesting. Uh, you know, I wonder if um, sometimes we get caught up in, like, with the bet- betting of the aces and the kings part specifically, right? Um, thinking about it more in terms of, like, uh, shorter stack tournament type setting type stuff as opposed to deeper stack cash game stuff where 
people might be stickier. People may call with less. Um, I, I wonder. And maybe. so, so maybe this because the solver isn't accounting for any of that other stuff. It's just like, hey, we're deep stacked. Here we go. Um, maybe this is more of like a deep stack cash game type bet and not a tournament bet that we're going to see nearly as often. I mean, maybe, but I don't know. It just feels like the only things we can get called by with aces and kings are the tens that are sometimes there, but not that frequently. Yep. And then nine, ten suited, ace, nine suited, eight, nine suited. Those are the most obvious things. I feel sure. like eights are a fold. I think the solver would fold eights. Maybe I'm wrong. Like... Uh- um, I don't know. We can't. Do we have it in front of us? Because we have. Some, no, we don't. We can't see that. Uh, we got some screenshots, but not that screenshot. Um, I don't know if the if the solver would fold eights or not. Uh, maybe they would. Uh, it's unclear to me now. Yeah, but I, I guess if we're betting aces and kings, we have to believe we're getting called by more some, things. Some, yeah, more things. Yeah. Um, we we before we started recording, we had a little quick chat about the idea of what's a nine doing, and I feel pretty strongly a nine. All the nines are calling, and you're not as sure. As I'm not as sure. Said. I think I think a a solver would definitely call with a nine. Yeah, but I think in a lot of cases, people will fold nines facing a second bet in this spot. Right, um, because the queen is such a polarizing card. I think you may and if ludicrous specifically ludicrous, this is outside the solver now. Okay, but ludicrous with his name and I'm guessing rep. Based on the things we know about yeah. him, which aren't, which isn't very much, but it's pretty polarizing stuff, uh, means that a nine is in practice calling a lot here. Perhaps that's like true. If Ludacris goes bet bet, you're like, I mean, you have it sometimes, but why aren't you afraid of that queen, buddy? Call right. Yeah, I mean, but my problem with that is mm-hmm. that on many runouts, if we check, the nine's gonna either better check, which is fine. Yeah, um, we can easily check call with aces or kings. Of course, um, we can. That gets us our two streets. If the nine checks back, most rivers we can go for our second street. That is totally And fair. it feels a little better than betting into a range that contains a lot of queens. Yeah. I mean, in practice, in a cash game even, I think I would be checking this almost always, except against very particular opponents. There are some sticky opponents. Uh, here's an example of one. Uh, Ken, who's on Poker Time, yeah. loves to call down, loves, doesn't believe anyone. I would probably go for three streets with aces and kings. I wouldn't bet big, but I'd probably go bet, 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 and fold to a race. Yeah. Um, and think, like, he may be bluffing me a little bit, but not nearly enough, and I think I get a lot of value by doing it that way. But, it, but I'm picking my opponent carefully, which the solver doesn't think it needs to do. So that's interesting. Yeah. Anyway, interesting that Luda is supposed to bet most of his range on this card. That yes. just feels odd. Yes. It, but that's the case. The solver wants to eject us from the space capsule, I guess. Really? Um, it also wants to eject us from the space capsule because it doesn't want Nick to raise now either. Oh, man. We really want to raise now. I Nick? can't believe this one. It wants him to call with like all of his range and never raise, basically. Yeah. And come on, can't can we raise this hand? If we're going to pick a hand to raise, can't we raise this, this freaking hand? This feels like the ideal hand. Maybe 9-9 nine, nine is even better. But yeah, 9-9 nine, is even better because we block because now we only lose a quad queen. Yeah. Right? I guess queen 9, but whatever. Um, like, it's so... I mean, that's... But like... I think we're getting action from all trip queens. So what's the problem here? If he's got that many bluffs, we're saying he has that many bluffs. I guess yes, because the solver's like, I bet so many things. Yeah, you're just gonna, you're not gonna get value this way. You're in position, but I would be so caught up in the idea personally of there's so much more money. Like we're so deep, we have to try and win a really big pot, and yeah. this is the chance to do it. This is this a is chance. The time. This doesn't come up that often, right? Exactly. Like. I may have you cooler to hell here. You may have ace, queen, king, queen, something like that, and you just have to call a big race here and a big bet on the river. You're going to hate it, and you're going to call. Yeah. Right? You're just going to do it. But the solver wants to call. Does not want to eject Nick. Wants to eject us. Yes. Into space. Well, 
we're going to meet Luda there on the river when yeah. it wants him to 100% give up. Like, <laughs> no chance of a bet being any good at all in the Solver's Mind, which makes lots of sense. We finally all got, we finally found a place where we can all come together. Yeah. And that's Luda's play on the river. Right. Where Solver's like, come on. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly this isn't going to work. Yeah. Um, and Nick's decision, it does want him to call 60% of the time. Of course, the Solver doesn't know it's ludicrous. Right. It would probably up that if it knew it was ludicrous. It's interesting, though. It's 60% of the time. And like when we first saw it, your initial default spot was like, oh, he's got to follow them. My initial yeah. one was, he's got to call. And the Solver's like, yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah. So that's kind of neat. I mean, against most players in the world on this triple barrel line with no information about their range other than they opened and triple barreled, I would probably fold most of the time. Um, with no information... That is not unreasonable. Because um, yeah. you would think they expect they're getting called by nines full, right? Yeah. Like that, that's the hand that's mostly calling you here, right? Right. And what do you... And, and really, in practice, there's not a lot to try and bluff, right? You're trying to bluff so you yourself don't get bluffed by like pocket sixes, so you're betting to protect against that. You're trying to bluff out ace high. That's all, the, that's all there is, yeah. right? I guess we can try and get tens to fold. Sure. You know? That's like it. Yeah. Anyway, that's how that went. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think we're still in the space capsule, although everything's... I don't know. Get, I mean, like, my vision's getting a little blurry, and I'm starting to hear weird clicking noises. Do you think that has to do with getting ejected? I think that's more the... about the asbestos in your bathroom, but... Oh, okay. Well, really that's fine, because that. that's, that's part of the simulation, which means it's not real, which means it's fine. Right. But, you know, if you die in the simulation, you die in the space capsule. Who said that? Every movie ever. And that's just because they have to create stakes because they can't deal with what reality might be, which is the stakes are actually low because this is a writer's fucking thing. They're like, I have to write something that the audience wants to see. So if you die in the simulation, you die in real life. But if you really think about it, Jonathan fucking Levy, you would think, of course, if it's a simulation, why would it be constructed in such a way that the participants die in real life if they die in the simulation? That's horrible. I why mean, would you ever do that? In fact, only we, because then the audience is more interested. Because then Ned Stark can die. We play simulations all the time and die and do not die in real life. Yeah. Like every video game ever, right? right. That is exactly that. Yeah. Um, so that's a fair point. And you're right. Certainly, it's a way to raise the stakes in movies. Uh, at the same point, surely, because the movies are also ultimately a creation of the solver, not these writers that you're claiming, because everything's a simulation, bro. Well, to be the honest, the solver, solver the solver is drawing are... from, a, from, a, from a fount of truth from somewhere. Well, yeah, because they're, they're highly derivative of Glorpian culture, which is the original race yeah. that created I mean, it. Obviously. Yeah, so you think Pulp Fiction didn't exist in some capacity in Glorp? Okay, but not... The same way. I mean, the people were Glorpian instead of human. But that, yeah. other than that, there oh, was... Their, other than that. They had their own Uma Thurman. Other than that. <laughs> they had an Uma Thurman. The Glorpians don't have noses. They can't snort cocaine. They have a that's different... That's a big plot point. They have a different type of drug and a different type of hole to put it in. Big. That's still a big plot point for me. Just because you're a human. You're, you're looking at this through a human lens. I'm looking at this through... Through many lenses, Grant. But not a Glorpian one, Well, because I, you're a racist. Well, oh, no, it's because of the an, anthropomorphic problem, by the way. Which is what? Which is, you, the anthropomorphic problem is actually a true military problem. I've never talked about this in the podcast. No. I must have. Anyway, it's, a, it's an actual military problem, which is, um, so for the military generals, when they try and game out how they're going to fight an alien invasion, the problem is they can only think of aliens in the way that humans would think ah. of aliens, 
And it's almost certainly not what aliens are going to be like. And right. so you actually can't prepare reasonably almost ever for an alien invasion because you can't think outside of human terms. Right. Like, what are the likelihoods even that the alien is the same size as us or on the same scale as us? Like, what if they're, so, they're microscopic? Right. Yeah. What if they're intangible? What, yeah. if, what if we can't see, feel, or hear them? And yet, the, I mean, who the hell knows? It could be anything, right? They could be the size of the planet. We don't know, man. We don't know anything. Except about the Glorpians. We know a lot well, about yeah, them. Well, yeah, obviously. Because yeah, Glorp- of the solver. Glorpian culture. The solver kind of, it's, it's meant to be a one-way street with the solver constructed to connect itself to our consciousness, but we get a little bit back, you know, which is why we kind of always dream about Glorpians a little bit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Good podcast. <laughs> Music is my sunlight, and all I need is one mic. And I can show every single MC how it's done right. Every time I come by, I'm bound to leave them so tired. I'm sipping on liquor, a quitter is what I'm not. We got one life, and I took a minor break, but I'm back to claim the throne. And gonna be traveling the globe, we still have time to make it.